Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for today's Appraisal Buzzcast. We appreciate all the feedback we've been getting, both positive and negative, but it's great to know that you're listening and what you all are talking about. Today, we have an interesting one. We'll be speaking with Joan Trice, CEO of Altera Group, and Bill King of Bradford Technologies. We'll be discussing bubbles, market analysis, and what appraisers need to know about this crazy market. I'll hand it over to you, Joan. Thank you, Jim, and welcome, Bill. I don't even know where to begin. This market is so insane and so different than the one 10 years ago, which led us into a crisis. But there's certainly some things I think that rhyme with the last crisis. So what are you reading in social media and what are your thoughts on on the zaniness Well, many thoughts, as you might imagine. In fact, uh, I think for a lot of us, trying to sort out what's going on uh, seems a bit overwhelming. I think the most overused word in in certainly the last year and a half is unprecedented, and yet I can't find another word to replace it with. It, it, It really has been remarkable. This is more unusual. Uh, than anything I've experienced in 40 plus years in real estate. I just read a statement that in April of 2021, more than two thirds of sales in the United States were over list price. You know, I I, I think back to more so-called normal markets and, you know, that that number might be under 10%. It would not be unusual for fewer than even 5% of sales to be over list price in a more flat, you know, a more balanced market. Well, let me ask you a question then, an obvious question. Does that in and of itself make this a bubble? Well, you know, I I don't know. I mean, it, it certainly feels like it. There's nothing else. Well, again, you know, we've, we've been saying for a year now that there's nothing else that has escalated as fast as house prices except that now cars are escalating and, you know, all the raw materials are are rising rapidly in price. Uh, There are no rental cars to be found in a lot of places around the country. You know, I keep waiting to hear whatever is next that has gone out of control. Oh, I can Um, tell you, because this is very near and dear and personal for me, the cost of limes is off the charts. Oh no. Yeah, yes. It's a it's a personal, yeah. Problem. And there's no substitute. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I mean I, I wish I knew where we were headed. I mean, you know, if anything is has become clear to me in the last uh 18 months, it's that my crystal ball simply does not work. Um yeah, it's, the concern uh, I have really is that prices may not flatten out or they may just flatten out. I'm not sure that prices will decline because there doesn't seem to be a way for the supply to be increased significantly. Even if buying activity slows down, there won't be a a rapid corresponding increase in supply. Uh, When you talk about- Let me challenge that for a minute. Oh, sure, sure. So- we, you know, got to do a lot of what if scenarios here because we we don't know what will happen with the homes that are currently in forbearance. Mm-hmm. Uh, that the number of homes that are currently in default, 
are is two times what it was in the last crisis. That could be catastrophic if the market was hit with a massive amount of foreclosures all at the same time that would could potentially crash the market. However, this time is different. And especially in the affordable housing sector, where most of the uh, forbearances uh, lie anyway, that could satisfy that that demand, couldn't it? I mean, what are your thoughts around that? Well, no, I, I I think that that's a very valid point. I think the question that would that I would like to consider is, will those really come out into the market at once? And I think the answer is probably not. And therefore, if they come into the market over a period of time, the impact will not be as great. And when when I look at and and you know certainly I live in the Pacific Northwest where we have a very solid uh, employment base and good paying jobs. The big five are all in Seattle. You know this may not be a very representative market insofar as trying to gauge what happens around the entire country. That said, there are many buyers who have made 6, 12, 15 offers and haven't been able to secure a house. And so I think that speaks to the amount of of pent-up demand that would respond to an increase in inventory by by being more successful in, in finding something. But I also think it contributes to the price increases because I've certainly heard from plenty of brokers who have said that their buyer had made five or seven or nine previous offers and had not successfully uh, secured the house. And so they kind of threw their hands in the air and said, go for broke. So they're consciously and deliberately bidding up way beyond what might otherwise be regarded as a a reasonable level uh, because they're just simply tired of shopping for a house. All right. Well, um, I tell you what I'm going to do. Let's take a break right here, Bill. Sure enough. And when we come back, let's talk about what is the definition of market value And what you're describing is that market value. So, Jim. question. Yeah, Jim, have a commercial message. Thanks, Joan. In uncertain times, you need a certain partner. You don't don't have to sacrifice top-notch coverage for an affordable premium. Intercorp has all the options and is sure to have just the right one to fit your specific needs. They provide the appraisal profession with competitive best-in-class E&O coverage solutions nationwide. Having served the insurance needs of the industry for more than 25 years, Intercorp understands the risk you face every day. Whether you're an individual appraiser, appraisal firm, residential, commercial, or an AMC, visit intercorpinc.net to get a competitive quote today. So, Bill, let's talk about the definition of market value. I'm watching a lot of conversation in social media. Well, if there's a willing buyer and a willing seller, they they stop there. That is not the only component of market value. And I urge all of our listeners and then some to pull out the definition, dust it off and read it. So what are your thoughts around that? Well, Joan, you know, this is a topic that's been of great interest to me, to me for a long time. 
I have a couple of thoughts on it. Number one, to your point, there are several components to this definition of value, and they are linked together. It's not an either or. You don't get to pick one and that makes you within the definition. I think a couple of ways that these uh, transactions uh, certainly get to the outer limit of the definition of market value lie in the fact that going back to the buyer who has made five or six offers, throws their hands up and is now willing to pay whatever price it takes to secure a house and bring that agonizing process to an end. You know, is that typical? Is that a typically motivated buyer? I'm not sure that that's typical motivation in the context of what was contemplated as the definition was written. You get a whole bunch of people running off at the cliff at the same time. There may be some element of typical about what they're doing because a lot of people are doing it, but it it really stretches the concept of typical when you step back and look at it from a, a little bit of a of distance, give yourself a little bit of perspective. Well, don't and, you also have the concept of uh, one of the components of the definition is undue stimulus? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's obvious we're uh, overstimulated, we're uh, on a sugar high and people are behaving like they're on a sugar high. But, you know, let's bring this down to the appraiser level. How the heck is an appraiser supposed to calculate the impact of undue stimulus? Well, it's an extraordinarily difficult thing to do. And, you know, I, I, I think I'll come back to the key question you're asking, but, you know, at the beginning, you uh, talked about the potential uh, comparisons. I liked your word rhyme with the previous crisis of 07, 08. And I do think one of the things that is present today that was present then is this fear of missing out and that that is driving a lot of purchase decisions. There's this, we're we're back to that belief that property prices will always go up. And so if I don't buy today, I'm going to miss out on next year's 15 or 18% appreciation. And I, I just think that there's a lot of potential danger when that is a motivator for buyers. How do you quantify all of this? Boy, that's an extraordinarily difficult thing for an appraiser to do. There are, there are lots of ways to go about measuring market activity and market, market change. Um, and I think appraisers now, as much as ever, need to be very thoughtful and deliberate about how they develop their support for a market conditions adjustment. Uh, I think they're expected uh, because it's pretty broadly understood that there is rapid market change right now, Uh, but it doesn't relieve the appraiser of the duty to conduct the analysis and provide uh, bona fide support. But I think the bigger challenge for appraisers today is that if you think about the way the appraisal is done, the focus for the final conclusion of value in the appraisal is necessarily uh, based on the closed sales. So we use pending sales, we can use listings to demonstrate 
how a market is changing, uh, but we can't reconcile to a pending sale, especially one that's above the highest of our closed sale prices. So we've, you know, we, we, we've got that that problem to work with. Part of what challenges this further is even if I have a sale that closed yesterday, uh, the meeting of the minds on that transaction was probably 30 days ago. So really, my most current sale reflects thinking that's at least a month old. And in certainly in the Seattle market, 30 days is a long time when it comes to pricing. We're seeing monthly price escalations you know, some some cases above two or two and a half percent. So you can have pending sales that are uh, being bid up themselves and reflect higher prices than your most recent closed sale. But the appraiser is kind of hamstrung by the GSE requirements and lender requirements to reconcile within the closed sales. Yeah, but even then let's say all three of your closed sales sold at 20% over ask. You're not adjusting for the speculative value of you're, you're instead paving the way for the greater fool theory that (laughs) I'll pay 20% more than the knucklehead did last month. And you know, what's the difference bill between that and the momentum chasing of GameStop in the stock market. I mean, uh, the opening ask price on GameStop stock this morning is back over $200. And I don't think, you know, so there's a, a real argument, you know, that applies to stock market and the real estate market of, you know, the old quote from, Warren Buffett, price is what you pay, value is what you get. You know, do you want to put that GameStop stock in your kid's college fund? Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think one of the problems with the spread between list and sell price is that there are a lot of agents who will deliberately list somewhere south of where they would have in a more balanced market to inspire that level of competitive competitive bidding. And, um, you know, again, we we started seeing virtually every listing I see today um, says, you know, we are going to review offers on Thursday at four o'clock. Don't be late. I can't think of a time in my career where that was the norm. Not in my entire career. I don't even recall it being prevalent in the 0567 bubble. There was a more competitive general landscape then than I think there is today. So I, I, I don't know how an appraiser adjusts for it. The thing about it is that when that price is bid up, in a lot of cases, the difference between even what the appraisal comes in at and the contract price is a, a figure that the that the buyer is willing to make up in cash in order to keep the deal moving. So a lot of the sellers, a lot of the agents are telling their sellers to require an appraisal addendum in the purchaser's offers 
uh, that says I'll cover the gap if the appraisal comes in lower than the contract. Yeah, that yeah. that leads to some interesting affordable housing problems. Well, exactly. Uh, yeah, let, let's do this. Let's um, break for another commercial message and we come back, we'll pick up and talk about affordable housing. Thank you. ProxyPix is the first of its kind on-demand system for getting the location-specific media you need from wherever you are. Their simple-to-use platform creates an online marketplace matching people needing property photos with proxies or data collectors near the requested location. Through crowdsourcing, you can get current up-to-date photos of anything on the map within hours, if not minutes. Never before has it been quicker, simpler, or more economical to get the property photos you need. Sign up at proxypix.com or download the ProxyPix app available in the Apple and Google Play Store. Okay, Bill. So let's talk about affordable housing. You know, from what I'm observing, observing if you want to buy a house and you're in the affordable housing sector, you know, they're so locked out of the market. If you don't have cash, you you can't be in the game. Correct. This is exacerbated. So keeping interest rates artificially low is actually the impact is hurting the affordable housing sector the most. Well, and I think we've agreed, certainly you and I have, that that is a true statement and has been for a long time. Yeah. Uh, most efforts, uh, certainly at the GSE or government level, to reduce initial costs in the interests of affordable housing pretty immediately translate into higher prices. Right. So that that is always a problem. And the you know the way that buyers are being frozen out today is that if a seller is looking at um, a conventional offer with an appraisal addendum that says I'll cover the spread, <clears throat> an even higher priced FHA offer isn't going to win out because of the concern about actually closing. Right. And so that that that's a huge impact on affordable housing for. Uh, so many people, and it, it it really is unfortunate. So those folks get pushed back into a a rental market that's also squeezed, yeah. and they end up paying more in rent than in many cases they would have paid to own the house that they were bidding on. Um, you know, and I think that also speaks to the idea that with interest rates where they are, so many people are not buying price; they're buying payment. Right. Yeah. And consequently, you know, the price went up. 20%, oh, well, my interest rate went down, so I have a better payment. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. And, you know, there's- And, and yeah, you two live years there for about equity, time. you know, <clears throat> that that's where we've gone off the rails, like, yeah. is the over-leveraging yeah. of America, and especially uh, the first-time homebuyer component of the market. The, you know, they're potentially here, you know, when uh, this frothiness uh, subsides, uh, they're going to find themselves uh, without equity, and and that that's unfortunate. Um, Bill, so what are you all doing? Uh, I understand you have a really cool service at Bradford Technologies. Thank what you. have you got going on there? Well, we launched a service of oh, I, I'd say a month or so ago that is called Ask the Chief Appraiser, who is me, and it really offers the opportunity for any appraiser. They don't have to be a Bradford customer to bring any question about appraisal. Uh, to me, um, and I'll do my best to answer it. I don't always have the immediate answer at hand, but I can certainly help find it. And I also find that 
just simply having a dialogue with someone allows them and me together to uh, to find the answer to their question. What, what I will say about this, and I have been very pleasantly surprised, the quality of the questions is outstanding. Good, good. It reflects very serious thought being given to complex appraisal issues. It, it, it shows me that appraisers are really working hard to do a really thorough job, to dot every I, to cross every T. It's refreshing. It's Good. absolutely refreshing. And Glad to hear that. I'm really delighted with the response that we've had. And I encourage any appraiser, if they, you know, it's especially useful for sole practitioners. You know, you get to working all by yourself and uh, you don't know where to turn to find an answer. And, you know, we're, we're just trying to help appraisers in, in whatever way we can. That's fantastic. Well, Bill, thank you for joining us today. This was really an interesting conversation. And I think one that we need to have openly a little more often. This is not a taboo subject at all. And one everybody ought to be in deep conversations with. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you, Bill and Joan. We really appreciate that. I think this will be an exciting one. Hopefully we have a quick turnaround because who knows how the market will have changed by the time we publish this even. (laughs) Good point. (laughs) So thank you all for joining us for today's Buzzcast. If you aren't already subscribed, make sure to do so below to get notified of the latest uh, Buzzcast as soon as we post. Have a great day. Stop waiting 30 days to get paid on your appraisal invoices. So Katie Capital is a simple and secure payment platform that improves your cash flow and reduces the time you have to spend on paperwork and making collection calls. The process is simple. After the initial account setup, simply submit your invoices to Cicati Capital instead of your AMC or lender, and you receive payment the next business day while Cicati Capital collects the payment from your AMC or lender, leaving you with more time to do what you want to do. We even have the option for same-day payment. For additional questions or to set up your account, and get paid faster on your appraisals, call Cicati Capital Support Team at 208-953-7234, 208-953-7234, or email them at support at